0: Today we're going to talk about Judges 8, and so to kind of catch everyone up, uh, (coughs) we've gone through a few of the judges of Israel. We're talking um, probably at least 1300 B.C., so what is that, 3,300 years ago, give or take, is the period in which this is is happening um, in the land of Israel, (coughs) and last week we talked about Gideon, a judge who was raised up to... um, deliver the Israelites from their evil oppressors, the Midianites. And as we left it last week, God had come to Gideon to say, I am going to raise you up to deliver your people from the Midianites. And Gideon is a funny guy. He struggled with this. What, would he, what was he struggling with? Belief. Belief. Faith. Is, is this really true? Uh, you know, and I just have to say, if an angel of the Lord appeared to me in shimmering glory and burned up, uh, you know, my offering of, of food on, on a stone, I would probably believe that he is who he says he is. Um, but Gideon continued to struggle with his faith. And there's the whole famous piece about the skin and the, and the dew and, you know... Uh, he, he continues to test God over and over, but essentially, eventually, he, he realizes that God is who he says he is, and he's going to deliver Gideon from the Midianites and help Gideon to lead his people to defeat them. <clears throat> Famously, Gideon goes up against the Midianite army with how many men? 300. 300. 300. Out of how many to start with? 30, 32,000. 30,000 30, 30, men. Why did God winnow... The number of men down to 300. Lorna gets it. Mm -hmm. So there would be no doubt that the glory was God's for giving Gideon the victory. And this is something I think we struggle with in our lives sometimes, (laughs) especially in today's day and age of you are an empowered person to um, you have all power over your life. Um, I say that as Steve walks in with the broken arm. Uh, That was perfect timing. I don't know if we can do that any better, my friend. Are you going to pull
1: a Benny Hinn?
0: Well, you know, he said he was doing two for one on Thanksgiving, so maybe you will get a deal today. I don't know. But uh, welcome back. Nice to see you. Fairly in one piece. So... So God does this amazing thing where he says, I'm going to make it clear that it is me, God, who is responsible for your victory, Gideon. And I think this is what we struggle with in our lives, giving glory to God when we want to attribute it to ourselves or to chance or to others, or science or technology or what have you. Well, where we left it last week was Gideon had roundly defeated the Midianites. He had gone into camp. Um, with his and again his warriors didn't even have swords in their hands what did they have in their hands when they went into the Midianite camp Torch, clay and a pot, and a pot uh, uh, or a horn. horn and and so what happens is they smash the pots and then they go in blowing trumpets and they have a torch and in the middle of the night the Midianite army <coughs> thinks they're under attack by thousands and thousands and thousands of Israelites <coughs> so they draw their sword in the pitch black and in the chaos People are bumping into them left and right, so they're just stabbing each other trying to get the heck out of there, right? It ends up happening that the Midianites kill many of themselves. And, and they essentially rout themselves. It's a self-routing. And they flee. And, and God gives um, the victory to Gideon. That's where we left it off last week. And let's keep in mind, too, that God was very much a part of that victory. He prepared Gideon for it. He appeared several times to Gideon to prepare him for it, to build him up for that, and the victory is Gideon's. I want you to keep that in mind as we read chapter 8, and let's go ahead and read that today. Judges chapter 8, and we're going to do, we're going to do, we have a lot to read today, so I think I'm going to have you read the whole thing, which is 1 through 35.
2: The men of Ephraim asked Gideon, why did you treat us this way? Why didn't you call us when you went to fight against Midian? They argued angrily with Gideon, but he answered them, I have not done as well as you. The small part you did was better than all the, my people of Abiezer did. God let you capture Oreb and Zeb, the princes of Midian. How can I compare with what I did with what you did? When the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, they were not as angry anymore. When Gideon and his 300 men came to the Jordan River, they were tired, but they chased the enemy across to the other side. Gideon said to the men of Succoth, Please give my soldiers some bread because they are very tired. I'm chasing Zeba and Zalmunna, the kings of Midian. But the leaders of Succoth said, Why should we give your soldiers bread? You haven't caught Zeba and Zalmunna yet. Then Gideon said, The Lord will surrender Zeba and Zalmunna to me. After that, I will whip your skin with thorns and briars from the desert. So Gideon left Succoth and he went to the city of Peniel and he asked them for food. But the people of Peniel gave him the same answer as the people of Succoth. So Gideon said to the men of Peniel, after I win the victory, I will return and pull down this tower. So Zeba and Zalmunna and their army were in the city of Karkor. After about 15,000 men were left of the armies of the peoples of the east. Already 120,000 soldiers had been killed. Gideon went up the road of those who live in tents east of Noba and Jagba, and he attacked the enemy enemy army when they did not expect it. Zeba and Zalmunna, the kings of Midian, ran away, but Gideon chased and captured them and frightened their army. Then Gideon, son of Joash, returned from the battle by the pass of Harris. Gideon captured a young man from Succoth and asked him some questions, so the young man wrote down for Gideon the names of the seventy-seven officers and older leaders of Succoth. When Gideon came to Succoth, he said to the people of that city, Here are Zeba and Zalmunna. You made fun of me by saying, Why should we give bread to your tired men? You have not cut out Zeba and Zalmunna yet. So Gideon took the older leaders of the city, and he punished them with thorns and briars from the desert. He also pulled down the Tower of Peniel and killed the people in that city. Gideon asked Zeban and Zulmuna, What were the men like that you killed on Mount Tabor? They answered, They were like you. Each one of them looked like a prince. Gideon said, Those were my brothers, my mother's sons. As surely as the Lord lives, I would not kill you if you had spared them. Then Gideon said to Jether, his oldest son, Kill them. But Jether was only a boy and was afraid, so he did not take out his sword. Then Zeba and Zalmunna said to Gideon, Come on, kill us yourself. As the saying goes, it takes a man to do a man's job. So Gideon got up and killed Zeba and Zalmunna and took the decorations off their camel's necks. The people of Israel said to Gideon, You saved us from the Midianites. Now we want you and your son and your grandson to rule over us. But Gideon told them, The Lord will be your ruler. I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. He said, I want you to do this one thing for me. I want each of you to give me a gold earring from the things you took in the fighting. The Ishmaelites wore gold earrings. <coughs> they said, we will gladly give you what you want. So they spread out a coat, and everyone threw down an earring for what he had taken. The gold earrings weighed about 43 pounds. This did not count the decorations, necklaces, and purple robes worn by the kings of Midian, nor the chains from the camel's necks. Gideon took, used the gold to make a holy vest, which he put in his hometown of o- Oprah. But all the Israelites were unfaithful to God and worshipped it, so it became a trap for Gideon and his family. So Midian was under the rule of Israel. They did not cause trouble anymore, and the land had peace for 40 years as long as Gideon was alive. Gideon, son of Joash, went to his home to live. He had 70 sons of his own because he had many wives. He had a slave woman who lived in Shechem, and he had a son by her whom he named Abimelech. So Gideon son of Joash died at a good old age. He was buried in the tomb of Joash's father in Ophrah where the Abyssalites live. As soon as Gideon died, the people of Israel were again unfaithful to God and followed the Baals. They made Baal Bareth their God. The Israelites did not remember the Lord their God who had saved them from all their enemies living around them, and they were not kind to the family of Jerob Baal, also called Gideon, for all the good that he had done for Israel.
0: Thank you. Very good. First, I want to ask you, what do you notice about the presence or maybe lack thereof of God in Chapter Eight compared to Chapter Seven? What do you notice about that?
2: I don't, it, it seems like God or Gideon is really following God's orders. He's following what he thinks is uh, right. Yeah, he's not seeking
1: out
0: God's
2: conflict.
0: It seems like there's a there's a vacuum here there's nothing that that says that God is continuing to say go and and hunt them down and and eliminate every last one of them he's already won he's already won and given him the victory in the camp of the Midianites and many many of them have already died so this is this is more of what at this point what is this at this point it seems like it's revenge. It seems like it's vengeance. Like, how dare you attack my people? But Gideon is a very... He's a very complex fellow. Um, Because later on, as you'll see, he tells them when they want to crown him king, what does he say? I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Is that the right attitude? Of course. 100% that's the right attitude. And in fact... um, (laughs) <laughs> but in the very next <coughs> passage, after Gideon says what is essentially the right thing to do, he he does what? He makes, makes an idol, and he worships it. What is the
3: author of Judges telling us? You're going to live the exact same way as this. You're gonna start off by trusting God with everything. Yeah. You're gonna get a little victory, mm-hmm. and then you're gonna say, "I got it. I mm-hmm. got this. I got it from here. I'll take over." Mm-hmm. And pretty humbling, actually. Pretty humbling, huh? Yeah, that's. I mean, that, I'd say that's very typical mm-hmm. for me. I, mm-hmm. <coughs> I find myself in a position where, man, I really gotta trust God for this. Right. So then I do, and then <coughs> I'm like, "Oh well." I don't know if I'd, like, take on this, this you know, grab my ego back. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, I trusted him so much. Mm-hmm. I'm a good guy. I can, you know, I can handle the rest of this. And I don't really need him then <clears throat> to just take it from here. This is it.
0: This is exactly it. The story of Gideon is I'll take it from here, God. That's Gideon's story. Give me a little. Appreciate I'll win it, a little. Girl. And I'm going to take it from here.
2: Because, God, knows, like, I think that's part of the reason why God only Mm. The part. Ah, like, he had has a very 30, good. Uh huh. He definitely
4: would have, you know, been
3: much worse. Check out how big of a leader I am. Right, <laughs> yes. It kind of reminds me of the Crusades,
4: almost like had oh, a good okay. purpose in mm-hmm. the beginning, but then it just like it's,
0: uh, Right. Almost. Hey, maybe that, that's a great analogy. Actually, the Crusades. So the comment is may, maybe there's a parallel with the Crusades, <coughs> where maybe the intent was right to, you know to convert the, the Muslim peoples to Christianity, um, to reestablish Jerusalem as a, as a, you know, Judeo-Christian center uh, for God. But what it, was, it ends up turning into is a bunch of kings who really just want to profit off the fact that they want to have these wars against the Muslims, and it turns to a very bad thing um, <coughs> that, that's completely not, not godly. Um, what do we notice? About the opposition. So you notice here Gideon encounters some very strong opposition to helping him. Why would he encounter opposition to helping him? Okay, they're, they're neighboring areas. Okay, so that's one. Maybe they're not completely um, convinced, you know, part of the tribes of Israel or that sort of thing. What else? I'm guessing they want to
1: make sure Gideon finishes the deal because those kings are the ones that were, you know, ruling over them. They want to make sure they're dead before they help an opposition. This is,
0: this is exactly it. I am worried that if I put my stock into Gideon and I help him and he loses, guess who they're going to come after next? Hmm. Me. And obviously these kings are very nasty people who have had a very bad reputation and obviously they had a lot of of warriors behind them Um, what does that tell you about the people of Canaan at this point (laughs) the so-called people of God it's every man for himself himself. that is exactly it every man or woman for themselves Does this suggest unity of God's people? Now we're starting to see, we're starting to see a lot of signs of civil war. At this point, it's not necessarily war, it's just kind of um, open opposition. There's a lot of cracks, but we're getting there. We're, we're definitely on the path to civil war here. What is an ephod? Who can tell me what that is?
1: I cheated. It's a garment worn by a priest. What did you say first? It's a garment. <coughs> yes, worn before that you said I cheated. <laughs> I cheated, I looked You it looked up. it up. Oh okay, <laughs> I see. <it>.
0: Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's all good, bro. Good. Hey. I've you got got used your resources. It's open <laughs> book. It's an open book test. Uh, you can do what you want. So look, I'm not a I'm not an expert necessarily in this area, but I would say um, you know, so in in the law, the first five books. Of the Old Testament um, God has a lot of specifications for how his society should be run and this is very focused on the religious aspects of their society it has um, there are instructions for how the temple should be built there are instructions for how the priests should conduct Mm -hmm. themselves and as part of that there are instructions for how the priest should dress so a priest you know of Yahweh you know so He'll have a turban. There's all there's all kinds. Okay, there's all kinds of uh, rules and regulations here, but he'll have a garment, <coughs> well, some kind of inner garment. Okay, right uh, turban garment, and then he'll have this kind of what's what's essentially what we call an ephod. And I guess the best way to kind of describe that is kind of a smock. So we'd have this, and, and sometimes it's described as this the, uh, garment of linen, but it's not just linen. We think that it's also um, composed of other materials. So there would be these various layers here of kind of an inner garment, a middle garment, and then this ephod. And on top of the ephod would be what? <clears throat> There would be this breastplate, and sometimes it's considered one piece and sometimes it's considered separate, but essentially, um, this ephod and breastplate <coughs> are very, very elaborate garments that are um, woven with gold, silver, precious mm-hmm. precious uh, gems. <coughs> um, and so, you know, goodness gracious. <coughs> well, in Exodus
2: doesn't say, like, it has to have twelve semi precious gems to represent right, the twelve, 12 tribes. tribes. Like, yeah.
0: Exactly. There's all these regulations. There's these umim um, and thumim, which are thought to be um, the way that they cast lots um, to to discern God's will, you know, yes or no kind of thing. Anyway, long story short is these are very elaborate garments that were worn by the high priest um, to worship Yahweh. How many of these ephods did God say that the people of Israel should have? Just one. Uno. One. I don't know what one is in Hebrew. I just speak <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> one. I don't know. Hase. That's, that's, that's Greek. Um, but they didn't speak Greek. Um, <clears throat> how many has has Gideon now in his possession? One. Or how many is in Israel after this? Well, two there's two now. There should still be one high priest, we would assume that there is a high priest during this period who has an ephod. This is a second ephod. And he's from Benjamin, right? So that wouldn't even be part of the Levitical line. Right, he's not a Levite. right? So he's breaking all kinds of laws here. Of course the biggest problem of all is what does he do with this ephod? He sets it up in a city. And what do you do when you set it up in the city?
5: Worship
0: it like an You're idol. Worshiping it, this becomes its own idol. It's okay. Isn't it interesting? They are ready to worship everything. Yeah. Right?
3: It's kinda like the golden calf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it says as soon as he dies, they just Okay. Back to back to the way it was. Back I wonder the was. if
1: there's a potential that Gideon made this ephod as more of a commemorative honor and put it up. Mm. And the people of Israel, being who they've always been, quickly turned it into an idol <coughs> they started worshiping. At no point does Gideon say, worship this. I see. And it doesn't say that Gideon made it for everyone to mm-hmm. worship.
0: Isn't this interesting? And let's, let's, let's assume that's right. And so Steve's comment is that what if it started as something where he, you know, Gideon maybe is trying to do the right thing here as an act of worship to say, I'm going to honor God and honor our victory by doing this. We can all start with good intentions, but what is the underlying flaw here? He should have destroyed it.
3: Once he should he have destroyed it.
0: If yep. that
1: was the case, and he saw what was going on, yes. he should have destroyed it.
0: As soon as he saw that it turned out to be a bad thing, he should have gotten rid of it. But even before that... What has he done wrong?
5: He didn't go to God. Mm-hmm. He
0: didn't go to God about it. He just kind of did it. Mm-hmm. And third, we have rules <laughs> for Ephods.
6: Yeah, why an Ephod? Yeah, why? Why yeah. did you pick yeah. an Ephod? I mean, yeah. I think
5: I think anytime you're adding or taking away from the Bible, this and is what it. God says we're supposed to do. This is and it. I think we have churches and whole religions <clears throat> nowadays that have done the mm-hmm. same thing. Started out um, with good intentions, maybe, but they're worshiping maybe not Jesus and God at this point because of some of the other idols they've
0: brought in. Lori is absolutely right, spot on. I can have the best of intentions, but if I don't know this, if I don't know the Word of God, or if I know it even worse and I ignore it. God says only make one ephod, but I think I can make another one because if one is great, then two is better, right? And that's not what it says in here, right? <clears throat> Taking liberty with the with the scriptures, the holy scriptures, is a really bad idea. It's a really bad idea.
3: Samuel's Brindley agrees with me. Samuel's way. mom made him a linen ephod. Mm. I don't know about mm. that. I, okay. don't know I don't know if that tells you.
0: so what and here's the other point here that I want to get at which is literally in the same breath after Gideon has done all of this what does it say all Israel prostitute prostituted themselves by worshipping it there and it became a snare to Gideon and his family where have we heard that story before Solomon that's the first one that comes to my mind is Solomon Solomon in trying, maybe trying to do the right thing and please his wives and, and please others, he establishes high places and idols to all of the foreign gods that his wives worshipped. <clears throat> and it became a snare to him. And he died ensnared. All the people that didn't kill that they were
6: supposed to kill mm-hmm. to yeah. mm-hmm. Definitely,
5: anytime you dis- disobey God we usually find out why those rules were there
3: yep I was like looking like to, to back up just a smidge yep like the people of Israel
0: say to Gideon you saved us for the Midianites uh-huh. now we want you and your grandson to ah. over you, rule over us this is yep
2: and so like he does half of it right if I say no I'm, God's your ruler not <laughs> me but he doesn't
0: say no God won this victory Yeah, he, he kept think. waiting for this that this is really yeah. happens, yeah. <laughs> this is a really good catch Thank you Gideon for saving us. That's not the point.
2: <coughs> he was like, you know, he, he sort of, yeah. you know, yeah. he wanted to keep that
0: for himself. I'll society? take half the glory. Yeah. You get 50-50, God.
3: Yeah. 50-50. He kind of starts off that whole passage being humble, <clears throat> saying, you know, what have I done compared to what you did? That God has given the leaders over into your hands. Mm-hmm. You know, recognizing that God did it, mm-hmm. which, you know, was I mean, it says, then the men, so it was mm-hmm. shortly following the conquering of the Midianites that he mm-hmm. still recognized that it was God's. He's was like God's good cop, story. bad cop. Has it, have you guys seen the Lego movie? <laughs>
0: right? You know, good cop, happy face, God gets all the glory, turn, uh, angry face, I get all the glory, right? It's like 50-50. That's, that's Gideon's M.O., it seems. Yeah, In- share his glory with anybody. Right. okay and and the other takeaway here is what this continued pressure that Israelites want a king boy they are they are really tenacious about this yeah you did something good let's make him a king right do
5: you think that comes from thinking that other countries that have kings are stronger countries or do you think it's just that they don't want it they want more laws so that they don't have to think as much and they think they get themselves in trouble
0: you know what? I think it's, it's a little of everything. This is definitely a period where all of the major empires around them had kings. And, you know, the tradition says the Israelites saw that and saw how powerful their neighbors were. Well, if we want to be powerful, we need a king. So the author of Judges is kind of doing what here? And is the author of Judges pro-king or is the author of Judges anti-king? very pro king. The author of Judges is very pro king. The whole point of Judges is to say, look at how chaotic Israel is for 400 years without a king. Time and time and time again, <coughs> you didn't have one. It leads to what? <coughs> what are the <coughs> what are the symptoms according to the author of Judges? <coughs> Of Israel's lack of monarchy. What are they? Name them Lawlessness. Lawlessness. If we only had a king, we'd have law and order, lack of unity. Lack of unity. It's happening right now. Everyone's fractured. What else? We just read a big one with the ephod. <coughs> False worship. Yep. We have idolatry. See I just put words in your mouth. I'm sorry. I just said idolatry. It's and false worship. Summary summary what said. what
3: That's else? What I said.
0: <laughs> um,
6: just just lost. Everybody's just yep. seems to be lost. We're lost.
0: Lost spiritually. Yes, yes, yes. Powerless. If we only had a king, we wouldn't have these stinking Midianites oppressing us. I wouldn't have to live in a cave, you know. If I had a king, I could live in my house, and I would be safe. And these raiders wouldn't come in every five minutes, wreck everything. And probably the biggest problem of all is this idea of sinfulness. You catch this word like prostituting themselves. That is not there as an accident. <coughs> the author of Judges is saying that Israel is a prostitute. This is strong language. <clears throat> Israel is prostituting herself. As to say, you are... And as a prostitute, the analogy is the people of Israel are married to God. They, they are his, his bride, essentially. And when they worship another God, it's like cheating on your spouse. That's what the author is using, this word prostitute, when you say the people of Israel worshipped idols, and they went to the high places, and they worshipped Baal, it's, it's as if they are they're essentially going to a prostitute and cheating on, on this relationship, this covenant that they have with God. <clears throat> this is very, very strong language. This is what the author of Judges is trying to say. These are all the problems that you have. If you only had a king, things would be a lot better. <coughs> What else do you take from chapter 8? Do
3: you have a king? Do a king? You know, because like, yep. they would have all this power <clears throat> and
2: unity, and, you know, God promised them many things if they just followed him. And he warned them,
6: you know, repeatedly in Exodus and Deuteronomy and yep. that if they didn't follow him, mm-hmm. things
2: were going to <coughs> goes real south. <sad. laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, so they have a king. They just... Mm-hmm.
0: They have a king. They have like a king. So so. I
5: think, I think <coughs> back then, as well as today, a lot of people have trouble with the fact that you can't see God. So following a king that they can't see or mm-hmm. show to other people, okay. they wanted someone that mm-hmm. stood there that they could look at and talk to and... I think that
0: was I think a lot of people struggle with that I think think this is spot on again Lori. and I'll say why do so many people have physical idols in their house they couldn't accept that there was this maybe eternal all powerful god of the universe that they couldn't necessarily see with their eyes so they needed something in their hand to look at to worship I mean humans are very visual creatures right so they make these idols and they have to look at it and they worship it and everyone's got idols in their homes Right, and they're and they're looking at it, but but God says what? As part of one of His Ten Commandments, says what?
6: Yeah, no other gods no other before, God
0: him. before him. No other gods before me. He also Make says no graven image. Right, it, yes. I don't want you making an idol that you are going to worship.
3: Yeah.
6: He also <clears throat> says that um, we need to meditate on His Word. Mm. You know, as we walk. Walk along as we rise up, as we lie down. Talk to them with our kids. Put on our doorposts, on our fences. Yes. There's a constant reminder that there is a God, that He is alive, that um, that we are, we serve and worship yeah. a, a true and living God who who delivered us from Egypt and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, um,
3: as they got settled in their their place, they've forgotten about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find it interesting that there was 40 years of peace, and then Gideon died, and then they forgot who God was. A generation. Like, we're one. We're one generation away, Ken. Yeah, as in, as in, unless something really bad happens in your life, that God gets you through. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, I think. I think that's still true today, and I think that's the danger sometimes. of we try to protect and coddle our children, and we don't want them to suffer as we've suffered, but then they also don't have the stake fastness that we have or the mm-hmm. ability to handle hardship when it hits in their life because it's going to because we've kept them from some of those smaller things that could have happened that could have, they could have learned
0: from. Speaking of coddling our children, uh, <laughs> let's move on to Abimelech because this is, this is key, folks. We're going to go to chapter 9. <clears throat> Again, this is a pretty long passage. Um, uh, this is a really good long one, so get your Get your uh, pipes warmed up and ready. I think I want to go through the whole thing, so it'll be 1 through 57. Who would like to read that for me?
4: Abimelech, son of Jerob Baal, went to his mother's brothers in Shechem and said to them and to all of his mother's clan, Ask all the citizens of Shechem which is better for you, to have all 70 of Jerob Baal's sons rule over you or just one man? Remember, I am your flesh and blood. When the brothers repeated all of this to the citizens of Shechem, they were inclined to follow Abimelech, and they said, he is our brother. They gave him 70 shekels of silver from the temple of Baal Barath, and Abimelech used, seven, oh, Abimelech used it to hire reckless adventurers who became his followers. He went to his father's home in Oprah, and on one stone murdered his 70 brothers, the sons of Jerob Baal, but Jotham the youngest son of Jerubbaal escaped by hiding. Then all the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo gathered around the great tree at the pillar in Shechem to crown Abimelech king. When Jotham was told about this, he climbed up to the, up on the top of Mount Jerizim and chatted, shouted to them, Listen to me, citizens of Shechem, so that God may listen to you. One day the trees went out to anoint a king for themselves. They said to the olive tree, Be your king. But the olive tree answered, should I give up my oil by which both gods and men are honored to hold sway over the trees? Next the tree said to the fig tree, come and be our king. But the fig tree replied, should I give up my fruit so good and sweet to hold sway over the trees? Then the tree said to the vine, come and be our king. But the vine answered, should I give up my vine which cheers both gods and men to hold sway over the trees? Finally, all the trees said to the thorn bush, Come, and be our king. The thornbush said to the trees, If you really want to anoint me king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, then let fire come out of the thornbush and consume the cedars of Lebanon. Now if you have acted honorably and in good faith when you made Abimelech king, and if you have been fair to Jeroboam and his family, and if you have treated him as he deserves, and to think that my father fought for you, risked his life to rescue you from the hand of Midian, but they revolted against my father's family, murdered his seventy sons on a single stone, and made Abimelech, the son of the, his slave girl, king over the citizens of Shechem because he is your brother. If you have then acted honorably and in good faith towards Jerubbaal and his family today, may Abimelech be your joy, and may you be his too. But if you have not, let fire come out of Abimelech and consume you, <coughs> citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo, and let fire come out from you, citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo, and consume Abimelech. Then Jotham fled, escaping to Beir, and he lived there because he was afraid of his brother Abimelech. After Abimelech had governed Israel for, for three years, God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem, who acted treacherously against Abimelech. God did this in order that the crime against Jerubbaal's seventy sons, the shedding of their blood, might be avenged on their brother Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem who had helped him murder his brothers. In opposition to him, these citizens of Shechem set men on the hilltops to ambush and rob everyone who passed by, and this was reported reported to Abimelech. Now Gael, son of Ebed, moved with his brothers to Shechem, and its citizens put their confidence in him. After they had gone out into the fields and gathered the grapes and trodden them, they held a festival in the temple of the god. While they were tr- eating and drinking, they cursed Abimelech. Then Gael, son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech, and who is Shechem, that we should be subject to him? Isn't he Jerubbaal's son, and isn't Zebel his deputy? Serve the men of Hamor Shechem's father. Why should we serve Abimelech? If only this people were under my command, then I would get rid of him. I would say to Abimelech, Call out your whole army. When Zebel, the governor of the city, heard what Gale, son of Ebed had said, he was very angry. Under cover, he sent messengers to Abimelech, saying, "Gale, son of Ebed and his brothers have come to Shechem and are stirring up the city against you. Now then, during the night, you and your men should come and lie in wait in, in the fields. In the morning at sunrise, advance against the city. When Gale and his men come out against you, do whatever your hand finds to do. So Abimelech and all his troops set out by the night and took up concealed positions near Shechem in four companies. Now Gael, son of Ebed, had gone out and was standing at the entrance to the city gate just as Abimelech and his soldiers came out from their hiding place. When Gael saw, the, saw them, he said to Zebel, Look, people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. Zebel replied, You mistake the shadows of the mountains for men. But Gael spoke up again. Look, people are coming down from the center of the land, and the company is coming from the direction of the soothsayer's tree. But Zebel said to him, Where is your big talk now, you who said? Who is Abimelech, and that we should, fight to, that we should be subject to him? Aren't these the men who you ridiculed? Go out and fight them. So Gael led out the citizens of Shechem and fought Abimelech. Abimelech chased him, and many fell wounded in the flight, all the way to the entrance to the gate. Abimelech stayed in Aruma, and Zebul drove Gael and his brothers out of Shechem. The next day the people of Shechem went out to the fields, and this was reported to Abimelech. So he took his men, divided them into three companies, and set an ambush in the fields. When he saw the people coming out of the city, he rose to attack them. Abimelech and the companies with him rushed forward to a position at the entrance to the city gate. Then two companies rushed upon those in the fields and struck them down. All that day, Abimelech pressed his attack against the city until he captured it and p- killed its people. Then he destroyed the city and scattered salt over it. On hearing this, the citizens in the Tower of Shechem went into the stronghold of the temple of el When Abimelech heard that they had assembled there, he and all his men went to up to Mount Zalmon. He took an axe and cut off some branches, which he lifted to his shoulders. He ordered the men with him, Quick, do what you have seen me do. So all the men cut branches and followed Abimelech. They piled them against the stronghold and set it on fire over the people inside. So all the people in the tower of Shechem, about a thousand men and women, also died. Next Abimelech went to Thebes and besieged it and captured it. Inside the city, however, was a strong tower to which all the men and women, all the people of the city, fled. They locked themselves in and climbed up on the tower roof. Abimelech went to the tower and stormed it. But as he approached the entrance to the tower, it set on fi- As he approached the entrance to the tower to set it on fire, a woman dropped an upper millstone on his head and cracked his skull. Hurriedly, he called to his armor bearer, "Draw your sword and kill me, so they cannot say a woman killed him." So his servant ran him through, and he died. When the Israelites saw that Abimelech had died, they went home. Thus, God repaid the wickedness that Abimelech had done to his father. By murdering his 70 brothers. God also made the men of Shechem pay for all their wickedness. The curse of Jotham, son of Jerubbaal, came on them.
0: Thank you. That was excellent. I don't know about you, but this is like the most Old Testament passage you can get. Uh, when, when you think of the Old Testament, it's Judges 9. I mean, you've got war, you've got slaughter, you've got betrayal. Uh, you've got God acting in a very interesting way. Tell me what your reaction is to all of this.
1: There's no side to root for. Yeah. You know they're both bad. Yep. So they both they all got what they deserved.
0: Mhm. There's no 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 one to root for I like that I'm sorry I'm repeating it because I need to make sure that this is working and people are actually listening to the video if you can believe it and they are saying, I wish I could hear the audience better so if I seem like I'm just annoyingly repeating what you're saying it's it's not to be a jerk (laughs) that's right yeah well that's it (laughs) or or changing what people say right what else do you take from this passage chaos 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 reigns. There's no order. Mm-hmm. There's nothing chaos. There. Here, we'll have this start. Listen to me.
6: Pretty much everybody did what is right around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except for Joth and called him out. Huh? You know, like what are you guys doing? Why you guys alive? Boy, there's these? a brave guy, right? Yeah, and he had. A and then he runs away. <laughs> <laughs> you all suck. That's why he went up to a
1: mountain.
3: That's right. You know? I think. I think. I <throat>
5: You know, through people we don't expect, and I think this is mm. one of those situations where God sent them a warning. Right, so we, they had it in front of them, and it took three years for it to happen, mm-hmm. but they knew it was mm-hmm. coming. And I think, I think that nowadays people do the same thing. I mean, we have lots of warnings, and we know what's going on, but they just kind of ignore it.
0: Let's get... So Steve had made a comment right before we read this about all of Gideon's wives. <clears throat> What's Abimelech's history? Where did he come from? From a concubine. A concubine. So not only did Gideon have many wives, but he had concubines. A concubine is just basically someone to keep your bed warm who's not even your wife. <clears throat> okay? So, kind of, in a way, illegitimate. <clears throat> He's got a bad history. Then what does he do? <laughs> One of the very first things that Abimelech does when Gideon is gone is do what?
6: Kill sons
0: Holy cow, this guy! Yeah. He tries to kill them all. Kill all rivals. Rivals for what? The throne. throne. You're going to say something.
2: Well, certainly doesn't exist because they Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Not yet. But here is all of your jeopardy. You're going to get this quiz question, right? Who was the first king in Israel? It's Abimelech. How many of you would have said Saul? Who was the first king over all of Israel? I just said it. It's Saul. So then here's an important distinction, okay? The first king, I I should say this, I shouldn't say of, I should say in. He was the king of life cities. OK? Here you can see things are so fractured, and Laura is spot on. Um, he, he is trying to kill all the rivals for something that doesn't necessarily exist yet. You're right, it doesn't exist, because there is no united monarchy. Was God behind it? Was God behind anointing Abimelech, king of Israel? Ooh, No. I made a comment about, where was God? Presence of God in Judges 8? Now I'm going to ask you, what about 9? So in chapter 8, God is conspicuously absent. What about chapter 9? Is he there? He came this morning. He's there, but now what's he doing? This is the other side of the coin, folks. Not only is God now present, but he is on the other side. He is saying, you are absolutely wrong, and I'm going to stop it. I am going to stop it. Is Abimelech the anointed king of all of Israel in God's eyes? Absolutely, 100% not. <clears throat> there is no, no hint that God is behind anything that Abimelech is doing. Who is Abimelech fighting for?
6: Himself.
0: Abimelech. So what does God do? This is very interesting. God sends an evil spirit. What was the... Yes. Plans. Disrupt.
6: Tell us, like an Air
0: Force guy, what's what's this going to do? Going to cause problems. What kind of problems oh, does it cause?
6: You're going to have infighting, backstabbing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have some somebody that's been pretty much self-appointed. Yep. Yep. I mean, yeah, he's got uh, the backing of, what, one town mm-hmm. and a few people. Yeah. And it's not going to last. It's a very shaky foundation at best. And now you got God against you, you can't stand. You're, yeah. Well, this also is God showing his
5: authority. Yes. He didn't send an
0: angel, he mm-hmm. sent an evil spirit. He's mm-hmm. showing his authority all over heaven. Oh, he this power. is really good. For all spirits. That's a really good point, actually, Lori. God is showing His his dominion, his power, his rule over all spirits. It's not just the good ones. Obviously, he has control of all of them because he sent this, and it did his bidding.
2: I like the little
0: is in charge of worthless, reckless men. I love that one. That's so great. It's like, it's worthless, worthless fellows, great, great right? <clears throat> paid for. Him. Say it again. He paid, he paid for them. He went out and bought. Those he's it's hired mercenaries. Look, this is how the Persian Empire did so well for so long. They didn't just have Persians fight in their armies. They would pay good money for, for highly trained mercenaries and highly trained soldiers. And they amassed a huge, very well-trained army and they were able to defeat everyone except basically the Greeks, which ended up doing them in. This is, this is really key. And look, I don't talk about the Hebrew much because I'm not, a, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. Shafat is the Hebrew word for judge. It's also the word for leader. Um, Spoiler alert, where do you think you find Shaphat in Judges 9? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> it's not there. It's another indication that this, is, this Abimelech fellow is, is absolutely not um, an anointed judge. Now, um, also for your Jeopardy trivia question, it's also not used for Gideon. <clears throat> um, but what do you think, in God's eyes... Is, is the way that you would say a person is a judge of Israel or a leader of Israel, is it because I use the Hebrew word for judge? What constitutes a, a holy judge of Israel? God's. Yes. This is all about, did God appoint them? Are they acting in God's interests? God raised them up to be judges. And so, even though the word Shaphat is not used for Gideon, guess what? He is absolutely considered a judge and leader of Israel. So I just wanted to kind of clarify that. That's kind of an apologetics thing. You might hear about that. But What else do you take from this? I, I've also written it here. We're, do, we're getting into... This is civil war at this point. I mean, you have Israelites killing Israelites here. Open battle. Okay? Fighting for what? Why are they fighting? Difference of opinion?
1: I'd say there's probably (coughs) follow the money, Mm -hmm. so there's probably an economic twist. Okay. All these false religions at Mm -hmm. that time were all centered around how can you make money off them.
0: Okay. So it's in my economic interest to fight my fellow brothers. Who stands to benefit here?
2: Well Shechem thought that they could benefit by having a biblical king and they would have never made him their king. Mm-hmm. But then God's gonna show them
0: I mean yeah. if he completely destroys Shechem, it doesn't even exist anymore. Right. And he does what? He sows salt. What does that mean when they sow salt the earth? <coughs> you can't grow your crops. That that land is dead. You can't use it anymore, you can't live there. <coughs>
1: It's interesting, God let Abimelech carry on, though, for ah, three years. Mm-hmm.
0: Why you do you know, think he did that?
1: In, in human mm-hmm. terms of assessing situations, we want action now. It's our time. Mm-hmm. This was kind of, I think, God saying, you know, I'll, do, I'll deal with it. It's going to be in my time. Mm-hmm. I think God lets us live with our own consequences.
0: Ah,
2: okay. Too. Because if he just saved us right away from a lot of things that you know, mm-hmm. as humans we make mistakes, we do dumb things, and sometimes God doesn't save <coughs> us from the consequences of our mistakes because we need to learn something from them, and the people need to learn that having just making some guy a king and then killing all the rivals, it was a you know the consequences of that were you know having to live under his rule for three years,
0: which is not. This is exactly the, the opposite side of the coin of what Ken was getting at earlier. When God does save us, when he does make things right for us and our lives are easy and everything works out, what do we tend to do? Start taking him for granted. We take him for granted. Yeah, thanks God. It's all good. I got this. You know, my life's great. Church, yeah, it'll be all right. God save me. I'm good. I'm doing something right. But then we have the opposite. What happens <laughs> when we don't follow God... And God is trying to teach us a lesson. What do we do? Save me, God. Save me, God. Help me. I'm sorry. Right? Okay. Some people get very bitter
1: and
5: angry. This is it. They can't think God's against them this is also. exactly
0: it. It's our human nature is to say, why are you punishing me? Why does God let good, you know, bad things happen to good people, right? It's endless. You're darned if you do, darned if you don't. Kind of, right? But God's doing a very important thing here. Three years. It could have been longer. How long did the Hebrews stay in Egypt? 400 years. years. He let them... Now, he had a reason for that. Thank goodness it wasn't 400, right? In a way, it's kind of 400 because the rule of the judges was about 400 years. But, but God does, does help them in the end. What else do you take away from Judges chapter 9? <clears throat>
2: By, but. <laughs>
5: what? We burn people alive. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. I think when people read Revelation, we like to think of God as the touchy feeling, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus loves everybody type of God, and I think we forget, you know, that that's not all there is. And I think sometimes when we read this stuff, we almost, mm-hmm. you know, it's like that's not the same God. Like it's not. But when you read Revelation, it tells us that's coming again. Mm-hmm there's going to be an end, and
0: it's going to be violent and not great. And what is the source of the violence? Let's evil. be honest here. I mean, it,
5: it's because of all the evil that's in our world.
0: And, and, and where, you know, mm-hmm. who who is the one choosing evil? Yeah. People, I mean, people. let's be honest, folks. <laughs> Which
5: is the same thing there. I yeah. mean, it was the people mm-hmm. that, I mean, the fact, that only tolerates
0: it so long. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm.
1: think it's the point. Okay. It's interesting to see that these seized cities that women weren't just cowering in the background (laughs) this is good every available hand is helping defend and in the end you know Abimelech gets killed by a a millstone which is not even a weapon of war it's Mm -hmm. just a big heavy object that a woman throws on him
0: we just read about Deborah you know three chapters ago right women are playing an important role here and let's all be honest who, who killed Abimelech a woman killed him. But
3: it's
2: so funny that so like, don't let a, let a woman kill
6: him. <laughs> it's, and it's written Definitely forever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I Maybe mean, he knew he had heard the song of Avra about the woman and how jail
0: she... It's like, I'm not going to let... That's right. And he's like, I don't want a song mm-hmm. about a woman killing... <laughs> but, <laughs> sorry, Abimelech, <laughs> we still know about it. Uh, <laughs> 3,000 years later. Let's wrap this up. Um, <clears throat> what what have you taken so we've been through nine chapters now of Judges <clears throat> about halfway give or take <clears throat> what what do you take away from this what seems to be the themes here <clears throat> I feel like
2: we have to learn from this it's so easy to be like oh they're so
5: dumb but mm-hmm. like, we're so dumb too mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> like, like we have to like
2: take away that mm-hmm. we have to <coughs> teach our children, we can't let, you know, we can't let our love of God die out. We have
6: mm-hmm. to make sure it continues. We have, have to continue to read our word and pray to just seek God out every mm-hmm. day. We can't forget about him. Because if left to our own devices, we'll easily forget and be distracted and, uh, Do what we want to do.
0: Roger though, this is like thirty three hundred years old. This doesn't apply to me. Right? Come on.
6: As for me and my house, serve the Lord. I
0: think
5: that understanding where we're at in the pendulum of faith, you know, are we did we just have something bad happen? Are we sliding towards complacency? Where are we at in that pendulum of faith helps us to plan? And you know, Decide how we how we approach it. I think that seeing how the pendulum slid back and forth mm-hmm. in all of these chapters and all these generations mm-hmm. shows us that it absolutely matters. Yep. Yep. I mean, after nine eleven, think how many people mm-hmm. all of a sudden were flooding into churches because
0: yeah, they're it's true. It's
5: true. And now we're sliding the other way.
0: What if, Lori, in a perfect world, people didn't need chaos to go back to God? Wouldn't it be great if those of us that live very comfortable lives who live in the greatest country on earth, I mean, it is. The wealthiest, most free country there is on this planet right now today, who even the poorest of our poor have access to more things than even the richest of some other countries. Wouldn't it be great if we said, even though I've got all this and I'm comfortable, I'm still going to choose to follow God. I'm still going to sacrifice. I'm going to spend time in the word. I'm going to spend time praying. I'm going to spend time being humble. Maybe I'm not the most powerful creature on earth. Maybe I'm going to give back part of what I have financially or my time. I'm going to help others. I'm going to help the poor. I'm going to help the downtrodden. What if I'm going to serve my church? What if we did that? What if it didn't take people being slaughtered for us to do that? What kind of world do you think we would have?
5: Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have to worry about arguing with
2: people on social media because there would not anything to argue about mm-hmm. because
5: we would all agree with. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to walk away from those arguments on yep. social media because yep. it's <laughs> not worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're not gonna. It's kind of like the it wasn't <clears throat> the jokes to the to the pigs or whatever. Girls is one. Yeah,
0: that. How about I? How about I cross out lack of monarchy and put social media?
5: <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I was just saying. Yeah. Seriously.
5: It
6: is. People need to get out of the way and let God work. way. There we go. I have, I have to get myself out of the way, which I do. Oh. And I don't always do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, if more people would pray mm-hmm. for God to act um,
0: through them. Mm -hmm. Instead of thinking, I'm going
5: to solve this on my own. Ooh, this is so good. (coughs) Um, Yeah, the world would be a better place. I think one of my favorite quotes in um, War Room was when the, the two ladies were talking and the one was like, you know, the best lesson I ever learned about marriage was sometimes we just have to duck so that God can ever our husbands between the eyes. Like you know, people are trying to take over and control when they just need to let God be in control. But I really love
0: that. And sometimes I'm I'll duck and God will need the face though. So I'm just saying, uh, it goes both ways, Lord it well, has to
5: do with the, the, of heat, like
0: the Yep. All right, this is great discussion. We're getting close to Samson. We're getting close. So uh, uh, join us next week.